Alice Bowman gave me her address and then hung up. I hurried down to my car. Lester and Alice Bowman lived in a small house on Barton Avenue, just east of Vine between Santa Monica and Melrose. It took me the better part of twenty minutes to make it to that location. I coasted to a stop in the front of the White House with the red Spanish tile roof. I hurried up the sidewalk and up onto the porch, looking around me as I rung the doorbell. No one answered, making me wonder if the doorbell was broken. I pulled the screen door open and knocked on the inner door. On my third knock, the door swung open on its own, and I suddenly found myself with my thirty-eight in my hand. "'Alice?' I said as I entered the house. "'Mrs. Bowman, are you here?' No answer. Goosebumps were beginning to form on the back of my neck. Something was all wrong here. I eased myself further into the house, checking the kitchen and dining room. I turned and walked down the hallway, opening bedroom doors as I went. Once I opened the last door on the left, I saw her lying across a double bed. Her unblinking eyes stared up at the ceiling. As I walked around to the other side of her, a deep gash became evident across her right temple. That part of the bedding was soaked in blood. This was no heart attack. I backed out of the bedroom, fished my cell phone from my jacket pocket, and dialed the twelfth precinct. The desk sergeant who answered the phone told me that Lieutenant Anderson had checked out for the day and asked if there was anyone else who could help me. "'This is Elliot Cooper,' I said. "'Oh, yes, Mr. Cooper,' the sergeant said. "'I know you. We met last month right here at the station. Can someone else help you this evening?' "'Better send someone to Lester Bowman's house right away,' I told the sergeant, giving him the address. "'Mrs. Bowman has been murdered. I'm here now. You'll need the crime lab and coroner. I'll wait right here until they arrive.' "'We'll be right there. Don't touch anything,' the sergeant reminded me and hung up. I disconnected and dialed Eric's personal cell number. He sounded a bit winded as he answered his phone. "'Elliot,' he said, breathing heavy. I didn't know you had my personal cell number. You gave it to me last year, I said. This is just the first time I've had to use it since then. Listen, I'm here at Lester Bowman's house. His wife called me at the office and wanted to see me. When I got here, I found her dead in the back bedroom. I already called this in to the precinct. Your desk sergeant is sending a few men along with the crime lab and the coroner. I just thought you'd want to know. Don't touch anything, Elliot, Eric said. Same thing your sergeant said, I told him. You coming? No, I'm just breathing hard, Eric said, and quickly realized that the joke was in poor taste, considering the circumstances. I'll be right there. Give me that address, would you? I gave him the address, hung up, and dropped the phone back into my pocket. I did not holster my weapon. Instead, I continued my search through the rest of the house, hoping to find anything that Lester may have left behind. None of the other rooms yielded any secrets, and I thought that that was it, until I spotted one more door off the kitchen. I pulled it open and saw a wooden staircase leading to a basement. I flipped on the light switch and eased myself down the dozen steps. At the bottom of the stairs I could see a large, outdated furnace, the kind referred to as an octopus. It had a five-foot diameter burn chamber in the middle with eight pipes coming out of the top portion and leading to different areas of the house. Further into the basement I found what probably once was a coal bin. It was empty now since this particular furnace had long since been converted to fuel oil, as evidenced by the add-on burner mounted to the side of the burn chamber. 
At the end of the room stood stacks of boxes, each with a handwritten label on the side, identifying that particular box with a range of dates. These were obviously Lester's work records and case files. The stacks didn't seem to have been disturbed. I decided to leave all this alone and climbed the stairs back to the kitchen. Just outside, I could hear several cars screeching to a stop at the curb. I glanced out the living room curtains and saw two black and whites as well as the coroner's van. A few seconds later, Eric pulled up behind the van in his cruiser. I let out my breath and holstered my weapon. I opened the front door and directed the officers to Alice Bowman in the back bedroom.